This episode is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform designed to simplify and streamline the management of sports. Go ahead and go to cinchhq.com, C-I-N-C-H-H-Q.com, and give it a try today. It's free to sign up. You can sign in, create your profile, add your players to your profile, manage your entire sporting life all in one place from your mobile phone. For organizations, you can go on, create programs, open registration, collect your money, manage your communication, everything all in one place. Again, go to cinchhq.com and sign up today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. In this episode, we're joined by Logan Paws. Logan's a legend in the Chicago soccer scene, having played for the Fire for 12 years, uh, 286 games, scored four goals, represented the United States at the youth level, the U20 level, the U23 level, the full national team, um, a guy that has been involved in all levels of youth soccer, professional soccer. And in this conversation, it's very wide ranging. It's very philosophical. We talk a lot about the change from soccer when we grew up playing to what it is now in the development systems and the development academy and how players get to get the opportunities to rise to the top and and a lot of what it takes to to get there. So in this episode, I want everybody to kick back, relax, enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Logan Paws. All right. Logan Paws, my man. What's up? What's up, Cal? How are you, man? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I want to thank you for joining me on Athletes Rising. Um, Obviously, one of my closest friends, uh, somebody that has had an incredible career in uh, professional game. Um, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast and, and share your journey and your message. Of course. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So um, let's just kind of jump right in. Um, so obviously long career in soccer. Let's start in the beginning. Um, how did you find and fall in love with the game of soccer? You know, uh, well, first, uh, the game has changed dramatically over the years. And I'll first start uh, with the name. My first team at age four was uh, the Nuthatchers. <laughs> Brilliant. Obviously, you know, obviously makes sense. It's just a, a, a great team name. Of course. Listen, I think as an active young kid that that grew up in North Carolina, just wanting to be outside, uh, you know, I think the the love of the game just grew from running and open space and uh, friends and, you know, just being outside um, is kind of where, you know, kind of where the where the introduction to soccer Mm -hmm. um, started. when I was, uh, you know, whatever, four and a half years old. Okay. And, and so at what, at what point, I mean, did you have parents that were uh, just trying to get you to put, to put you in things because you were just active? Um, were you the one that was driving it? Um, tell me. You know, I mean, I, I think at, at that age, it's, 
you know, honestly, it's probably more on my parents just getting me in activities. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think there was a combination of um, enjoying, you know, they think they saw a combination of, uh, gosh, Logan really enjoys this. Yeah. Um, and wants to be out there and, and, and playing. And, you know, uh, of course, um, you know, over time there was some, you know, growth of, you know, maybe he's actually pretty good at soccer, but honestly, Kel, when I was growing up, uh, it wasn't just soccer. Uh, yeah. I was, a, like, I played multiple sports growing up and, um, you know, I mean, it, it, at that age, it wasn't just about soccer. I played, I was like a multi-sport, played ice hockey, played lacrosse, um, just love sport, just really love sport. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that um, that I think is, is hugely missing in a lot of uh, the philosophies of, of these sports organizations today is this fact that by playing multiple sports, we're actually uh, helping kids to develop at a much higher rate than if you just specialize early. So going on that, at what age do you think it was that you really kind of decided soccer was going to be your, your thing and your, your focus? You know, I, I think um, probably in like in middle school was, was really when I spent, uh, I wanted to spend more time yeah. playing um, you know, it was never, I was never in an environment where I was pushed and, and forced into situations where I had to, um, but, but I really wanted to play. And I mean, honestly, I, I, I grew up with a little bit of a non-traditional background um, in, in schooling. I went to a, a friend's school in North Carolina, which is a Quaker school. And I mean, this is actually a story that I tell any youth player that I, <clears throat> that I talk to is, um, our, our school team was co-ed uh-huh. through eighth grade. That's and so, uh, and it was, and it was so, and, and we would go and play these all boys teams, uh, as a co-ed team and we'd beat up on them and it would just, it was just for the love of the game. And yeah. so, you know, in, in middle school, there was definitely, uh, more time focused on playing soccer, but it still, it, it still was for the love of the game. Yeah, that's that's really that's really interesting. Now, at that point, um, were you playing were you playing club soccer as well? Like, did you start that at, at around that time, or did, was it earlier, later? Yeah, I mean, again, <clears throat> uh, a different time. Uh, you know, there was there was no uh, you know club and uh, school <clears throat> were different seasons. Uh-huh. There was no. Like, oh, you have to pick this over this because it's a, a year-long season. Everything had a season. And so, like, club soccer was, you know, fall and you could do spring. Um, but there was no, like, uh, during that time where you really had to make these hard decisions or you were put in, in places where you had to make hard decisions mm-hmm. of I have to choose whether to play in school or club. So I, of course the, the landscape has changed, but um, yeah, I was playing club travel soccer. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and just out of curiosity, if you happen to remember how many days a week were you having actual formalized training at that time? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was two uh, at the most three. Yeah. It was two, I mean, I think it was probably two, two days a week. Um, you know, sometimes 
sometimes three. You know, it was also during a time that on days that we didn't have organized sessions, you know, a group of us might stay afterwards and play pickup at school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, totally just we wanted to touch the ball. We wanted to play. We wanted to be out there. But if there wasn't something organized, we would try to organize it ourselves. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I think that that's – to me, and I have the same experience. It's like, I think I practiced two days a week with my club team, but I think every other day of the week I was out there training. I didn't even call it training. It was just play, right? I'd go out with friends and we would just play because that's what we love to do. And I actually attribute a lot of my own uh, technical development to those times goofing off with my buddies playing 2v2 and 3v3 on a basketball court or something. Um, with, Absolutely. With exactly how I was able to actually develop much more technically. So, sorry, we just jumped into a bunch of like philosophical things there, but um, all right. So we just kind of went off on that philosophical uh, tangent about uh, youth soccer and, and how it's changed in some of these things. But, you know, a lot of what we talk about in this podcast is uh, kind of the, the challenges that players have come across and maybe failures that they've had and then how that helped them grow. Now, as we kind of get into the, uh, high school time, you know, whether it be club soccer, high school soccer, um, was there anything like that, that, that you, that you came across? You know, the, the first, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously at, at a young age, uh, you know, going through middle school, there was this combination of enjoyment and, you know, I, I was, I was a good soccer player and continuing to grow as a player. So was, was, was successful, um, kind of in the eyes of uh, the external eyes of the people around us. And yeah. so um, the first time that I really kind of saw what failure looked like, it was with, you know, uh, the ODP, which again yeah. exists, but in a different kind of model now. So Olympic development program, I remember, um, uh, you know, the letter again, different time, but we would get letters in the mail when you would make <laughs> a team or not make a team. And I remember, um, I remember one year playing in ODP and not making, um, not making a team. And, um, you know, and again, it was an age where, you know, with that comes sadness and frustration and shame and doubt. And, you know, all of those things that kind of, that are wrapped up into the identity of a young, a young, a young kid. And so, you know, that was the first time I really looked at, uh, got, received failure um and at that stage like most hated it and so it kind of drove the other way of like wanting to do everything i could to to not let that happen again and how old were you at that time you think probably 12 or 13 okay still in still like in like young adolescence yeah in terms of um, not yet in high school when I first experienced that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to what your reaction was there. You said it was do everything that you can to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, just talk a little bit about, about how you kind of came to that. Cause these days I feel like we see a lot of, uh, people that when they come up across any kind of adversity, it's quit and move on to what's next. Cause this is not your thing. So talk a little bit about how you, how you came to that conclusion, how you, and then how you reacted to it. How did you, how did you actually make that not happen? You know, I, I think 
I think first and foremost, I mean, there's two things I think it's worth mentioning. I think first, it's talking about the environment that's created that allows for failure. Without that, there's it's hard to even talk about what like how to move out of failure. And uh-huh. so, so the the environment that was created at home, yeah, uh, with my parents, with my family, with my brother, with my peers, um, created. A situation and an environment that allowed for behavior, uh, uh, fa- sorry, allowed for failure to be used for good. And so um, that was the first thing is um, yeah, it started, at you know, the, re- the, the, the reaction wasn't um, <clears throat> more, more pressure. Yeah. The reaction from from the people around me wasn't like, um, I can't believe that. Yeah. What are you going to do? How do we get you more specialized? How do we get you more training? I mean, it really kind of, uh, there are two things. We still love you. Yeah. Do you still want to play? Yeah. Do you still, do you want to get better? Do you want to make the team? And so that environment then allowed me to process it, um, through the lens of, I, I want to, improve i want to get better i want to make this team yeah um and so that so i think those two things need to happen in parallel and without them both um it 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 can can be hard for for kids to push through failure to the other side yeah i mean i think that that's that's hugely important you know they they say that the most important you know time uh in like after a game or something for a child is that that car ride home right you can do so much damage or you can do so much um, help on that car ride home as a parent. And it's, it's that simple thing of, Hey, you worked really hard and I really love to watch you play or what the hell were you thinking? Um, God, you're going to have to work harder if you want to be good at this game. Like, you know, those two, those two different aspects of uh, how you approach a, a kid. I think you're, you're absolutely right where it, it really builds that, that environment of, um, of either having that growth kind of mindset to it or, or that fixed mindset to it. Yeah. You know, and then, and and then there's also the other lens of, you know, um, so there was this safety, but there was also this other lens of accountability and responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, that my, you know, that my parents instilled in me in that, um, you know, and they would even say, Logan, you chose this. Yeah. But, but guess what? Because you've chosen this, you got to stick with it for now. Yeah. Maybe it's not your long term, but they, they didn't allow, you know, they allow this like safe place to fail, but they didn't allow this easy out Yeah. Um, of like, oh, failure's here. So let's turn and turn a blind eye and run from it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, they, they created a safe place, but also a place where, you got to look through, you got to look some of that in the, in the face and push through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, that's, that's hugely important. So let's, let's take that. Okay. You didn't make the ODP team. What happened next year at tryouts? Um, so I, I, from, from there, um, you know, I had a, a, a lot of success on the field. I mean, of yeah. course, um, ODP turned in a uh, state team turned in a regional team. Again, same sort of thing would happen at each of the at each of my advance, like of like the notch up, the tier up. There was always, you know, going from a pool player to an eighteen. Yeah, and so 
you know, but without, without having gone through the initial experience, um, you know, although I hated to go through those experiences (laughs) over and over again, they just became, um, it just became more instilled in me to learn, to push through, to persevere, to try again. Um, because I found, I found those quote unquote ceilings at every level. I found them at every level. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly had the same experience where I didn't make the state team until I think it was like 16. And then, um, and then I didn't make the regional team or even the regional pool until I had already committed to go to college. So I was 18 at that time. And, um, and, and for me, it was like the same of like, I kept hitting those ceilings and I just couldn't get past those little barriers for one reason or another. But, you know, I look at my own experience of it and it was, I, well, I just, I just liked to play the game and I had these visions of myself, you know, pulling on a national team Jersey was, was the thing I always like envisioned myself doing. And I knew that this was kind of the pathway and it was one of those, all right, I'm just going to put in that extra time because I want to get there, you know? Yeah. And I mean, again, and and so there was this cycle of, of, continuing to kind of push and improve and push and improve, you know, but the, the, the first time where it was like failure in my eyes um, that really had me look introspective was, you know, not making, uh, I mean, again, we were the same, the same age group, Kelly, yeah. you and I, and, and the U 20 world cup, yeah. uh, you know, not making that, it's not like the next year I could hit the next cycle. That was yeah, done. That, that was goal over. was done. And so then I had to focus my energy on how do I use that failure in, in my current environment. And that's, yeah. that was when I was at UNC, that was, you know, the, the opportunity to play for the Olympic team. And mm-hmm. so some of it's like, you know, kind of using your failures, not to adv- advance uh, in this in the same space but it's how you use that and translate what you've learned somewhere else yeah i mean so again that now we will jump in from from the youth side of it into uh let's go into college and unc uh and you know we at that time we had u20s we had uh, olympic team and then and then ultimately um leaving early to sign uh to sign with the chicago fire so um, I mean, let's talk a little bit first about kind of like the elation and the joy that you get from uh, realizing that you're going to go to UNC, I think the school you dreamed about going to your entire life and getting to play soccer there. Yeah, I mean, that was like, I was a ball boy for UNC when I was nine <laughs> years old. Yeah. So I, I I grew up in the back their backyard and dreamt of putting on baby blue, yep. you know, Carolina blue. And, and so that was, that was that to me, that was it. Yeah. I'd, I'd kind of hit the precipice of like, man, this, this is what I've dreamt about. And, and um, so, you know, such, uh, such a privilege and honor to to kind of represent the uni- university and and it was also during a time when i when with the u20s um as a potential kind of in the pool out of the pool i didn't make that um it really allowed me to focus on my college career so yeah. like all all of a sudden and i wasn't even really thinking about the olympic team i wasn't even really thinking about playing professionally mm-hmm. I, I was just I was just focused on the love of the game, 
uh, competing and winning and uh, the social side of being yeah. in Chapel Hill, like th- that was where my focus. And so it, it's funny, like the, the Olympic team kind of stumbled, I kind of yeah. stumbled into it. You know, I, I'd kind of, um, but yeah, I mean, so that all happened during the, the two and a half years that I was in Chapel Hill. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you talk about kind of um, why you were doing it. it. All of a sudden it stopped becoming uh, for this goal of keeping to, to try and uh, climb that ladder. But now it's all about just enjoying the space that you're in, right? Enjoying the various aspects of what your life was. Um, do you think, or, or how do you think that being a student and focusing on college soccer and, um, and really just focusing on you yourself without all this external pressure, how did that help you develop your game? I mean, I, I just think that there's such, you know, and again, there, the model is different. Um, and I recognize that with the academy structure and MLS homegrowns and that sort of stuff. But I, I just think there is, there is such a important aspect of growing up. Yeah. Um, and college gives you that. It gives you... Um, you know, it's the first time you're really on your own. You having like mom's not waking you up to, to, to get somewhere. You gotta, you you gotta manage your time on your own. You gotta manage your schedule. You gotta manage school. Um, and of course, you know, the soccer side. So to me, I wouldn't trade it for the world. (laughs) It was, it was where I did my best and biggest growth as a as just a, a person. person yeah um and i think by doing that kelly like by doing that it made me a better soccer player yeah i mean i think you know certainly things that i try and preach and a lot of other people around me try and preach is about how um development is not about focusing on one space it's de- it's it's overall development as a as a person right and so you know working with the soccer club um that i work with we, we really try and focus on the whole player, right? We tell people we want them to play multiple sports. It's hugely important. We want them to do social activities. Uh, if you're going to miss soccer practice for something social like that, that's okay. Um, because it's not really about just the soccer. It's about the overall um, life experience. You know, and I, I think, you know, when I look at, as we said, it, the game is different these days and the pressures are different, but you look at these pressures that some of these kids are facing. It's like, you know, God forbid you don't do the vol or the, um, the non-mandatory um, skills training. That's every Friday, you know, and, and take a day off. Uh, you're going to be falling behind. And it, for me, it takes out the, the ability for these kids to have any kind of life and, I think that that translates in the fact that we've now turned these youth sports into a job as opposed to a game. And so I, I love hearing what you just said about how, you know, it, it really, you really dove into just you at that moment and just focused on the growth of you in so many different aspects. And soccer was a piece of that, but it wasn't everything. And yeah. uh, I hope a lot of people can take from that and, and recognize that that is the true way to grow. I mean, as you just said, it was, the time in your life where you feel like you grew the most as a person. And I, I think that's, that's a huge lesson for people to take away from this. 
And I mean, the funny thing is that I'll never forget um, my uh, my college coach was also my club coach in, mm-hmm. um, in in high school. And I'll never forget the time, actually, Kelly, that I I told him I was missing. I think it was uh, 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 either a tournament game to go to prom. Nice. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that was just amazing about him was there were natural consequences to my decision, mm-hmm. but he didn't hold it against me. Okay. So uh, explain that I didn't, a little. So I didn't start the next game. Yeah. Not out of punishment, but out of um, it would not be fair to your teammates yep. if I allowed you to miss one game and then just put you back in. So there was natural consequences yeah. to my decision, natural ones, but. He never, he didn't raise an eyebrow and said, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you picking prom over this? And so, you know, it's really this like great teaching moment uh-huh. of the decisions we make. The, 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 the young kid that doesn't want to do skills training. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, 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 we should not be uh, laying guilt and shame for not doing skills training. Mm-hmm. Now, are they going to technically develop skills more if they spend more time with the ball? Yes, that's that's just a natural yeah, thing. Of course. Um, and as long as the uh, like kids understand that that decisions and the consequences that come from those decisions is what's key. So I, I mean, again, I think. I I'm with you, Kelly, in the sense that I think that this that, that a more holistic development actually makes us better specialists. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, than just being hyper specialists. But I mean, again, um, who am I? So. <laughs> well, you know, you're an expert. Let's just say that. I mean, you don't get to the levels of the game that you did without uh, some sort of knowledge about this. But let's let's use this as a chance to kind of jump into um, what what was that moment in college or it was that moment when you realized that professional soccer was going to be your path honestly so i i got pulled after the summer of my june my sophomore year i got pulled into an under 23 camp i did well yeah um i I, you know i may be surprised a few people i played that fall my junior year yeah got pulled into another camp after that camp i was posed the question with like hey if an opportunity came up to leave and to be in a professional environment because cal if you remember you know uh after that year after that fall that next spring we were trying to qualify for athens yep totally and so you know there was some talk with the coaching staff that like being in a professional environment would be better. Yeah. Preparation for that. And I knew that. And I understood the, the going into an off season in a college game in a college Mm -hmm. environment would not be as quote unquote strong as an environment as a professional setting, but it really wasn't, it, it all happened really fast for me. So it wasn't this like, I need to do well this whole season in order to become a pro. Yeah. It was, 
I'm just going to do the best I can. Yeah. And I love what I do. And I love playing with my friends yep. and I love my teammates and I love my school. And then I'll figure out tomorrow when tomorrow comes. <laughs> and so it kind of just, it, it really came quick and it was a really hard decision. Yeah. I don't regret, I don't regret it at all, but it was a hard decision to leave. Cause I left after that junior year, yep. that junior fall season, to sign a professional contract to get drafted by the fire um so uh that's kind of, it happened fast yeah i mean i remember i remember those those times well and uh i think i had done the same thing one year before you and um yeah it was it was the same thing sitting in a sitting in a room and having mls uh, representatives come in and say to all the all the guys on the national team pool like hey look we want you guys to think about this and that was the first moment for me that I realized, oh my gosh, this is actually a reality. Like I, I yeah. this could actually happen. Um, of course. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's jump into, you know, the professional ranks. I mean, that's obviously a huge jump going from college. Um, and, and you were crazy successful in college, winning a national championship um, and, and really the top of the top of your game, top of the, the country's game as a, as a team um, coming into the professional ranks. And, you know, now all of a sudden, it's a job, right? It, it legitimately is a job. And what was that transition like from college coming into the professional game for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, a couple things hard. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing. Um, I like to believe that my experiences that I had going throughout my life, help prepare me for what hard actually looks like. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. I, I think that I, I had had a level of adversity um, and um, challenging situations that prepared me for what quote unquote hard looked like. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and, and Kelly, you, you remember because um, uh, we played together. Um, I think we had really, good um, experience mentors and leaders on our team yeah. that helped um, teach us yeah. what work looks like, help teach us what commitment work looks like, help teach us and hold us accountable to showing up every day. And so, you know, I, I do, I hope that I'd like to believe that some of those lessons I, I was I, were learned prior, but yeah, it was a hard transition, but we had such a good group that were, yeah. that were patient with us yeah. in some, in some aspects. Right. I mean, it's, it is a job, but they yeah. taught us. Yeah. They I didn't mean, leave us, like, you know, they didn't leave us to our own kind of experience and knowledge to figure it out. They brought us along. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd say, um, you know, at that time, and, and you can feel free to add to this list, but I mean, Chris Armis, uh, Jesse Marsh, CJ Brown, Peter Novak, um, those, those guys specifically for me really stand out as, you know, I felt as though they kind of took me or like even our, just our younger group of guys under their wing to bring us up to the level needed uh, to be successful um, within, within that team and within, within our own career and so i'm i'm hugely thankful uh to them and and i know that it's it's a hard thing to be patient with with um growth when it's when you're trying to achieve a goal together you know 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would echo, echo those, um, those names. And, and, and again, what, what, and, and I don't know if we want to immediately jump into this, but one of the things that we learned very quickly is um, the cycle of failure to response. Yep. Just gets, it gets um, sped up and it, and it has to at yeah. the professional level of, you know, you fail. How do you respond? You turn over a ball. How do you respond? Yep. You don't make an eighteen. How do you respond? Yep. And and if and if you don't respond well, you just continue to create margins between the the rest yeah. and and those that are trying to keep up. Yeah, where you are and where you want to be. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think for for me. Um, that that's one of the things I think I learned at that time, you know, Clive Charles, my college coach at university of Portland had always said, um, you have to have a short memory. And, yeah. you know, I didn't necessarily grasp that too much until I kind of got into that professional environment. I think where, you know, you make a mistake, if you dwell on it, you're just going to make another mistake and another mistake and another mistake. And so you have to just get up and keep going. And it's, you have to let that, let that, mistake get out of your mind and you're back to where you started and if you can do that on a regular basis then i think that you're going to end up being more ultimately successful and i think that those guys um certainly embodied that and also would hold you to that standard of like you make the mistake don't do it again so that because you're going to let us down like you need to respond and you need to do this because it's not about you anymore it's about the team and so you have to forget quickly yeah yeah I would, and I mean, the only thing that I would add is, and, and again, it was created by the environment. Is, um, you know, again, it goes back to these par- these two components of first, how quickly do you respond? But is the environment safe to make mistakes? Yeah. Now, yeah. again, at the professional level, it's the margins are less. You, you know, you make a mistake that leads to a goal. You might be out of the lineup. Yeah. But, you know how those mistakes are handled in film sessions, how, what mm-hmm. kind of language and communication from the coaching staff and from the leadership when you turn over a ball, all of those things. And I've, and we've both been environments that, that it is safe to make mistakes. And usually in those situations, people actually flourish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then when in environments where it's a bit more ruled by fear, uh, you see a lot more, you know, minimized potential and uh, ultimately mistakes happening because of it. So, well, yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and I think this is a good kind of segue into uh, this next thing here where, you know, early in your career and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but it wasn't as though you got drafted and then you jumped straight into the starting lineup and you were a starter your entire career. And that was that. Um, I mean, it, kind of how I remember it as, as a teammate was, um, and this kind of goes for both of us is that we were in and out of the lineups and it was a, it was a thing where we had to have a lot of patience as a player and just belief and self-belief to, to keep pushing and keep pushing. And ultimately for you, obviously you ended up as the, the captain of the team, you know, the guy that, that was in and out or in, in the lineup every single week and was really driving the culture of the locker room, the players, everything. So talk a little bit about that that time for you going from when you first started in your professional career and, and how, how you kind of dealt with, we'll say that, that challenge of, 
sticking it out day in and day out, just trying to get the minutes that you can to try and prove what you can do on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at, at the beginning, you're just in kind of total jubilation of just being a pro, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to put your head down and work every day. You know, I, I got my, and you're exactly right, I actually got my first opportunity due to an injury yeah. of, some, of someone else. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the first, the first lesson is you got to be ready. You never know when your opportunity is going to come. Yeah. You never know who's watching. And I say that all the time to kids, whether it's college kids I work with or youth kids, you never know when the opportunity comes. And if you focus on not getting the opportunity, when the opportunity finally comes, you won't be ready. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that I was ready. And um, now again, uh, nothing was easy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, you and I both, you fight and claw and work your tail off for minutes. Yeah. And um, there's high levels of competition. Everyone wants the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a roster of 30 guys. You got 18 on a game day roster, yep. 11, 11 starters. So you pretty much have 11 happy people. Yep. You have seven people that are kind of like They're okay. happy, to be, happy to be involved, yeah. but wanting to be starting. And then you have the rest of the people that are not happy. And yep. so, um, but that was a, that was a constant evolution. And even, you know, even in the moments of, of representing the, the Chicago fires captain, uh, you know, I, I've had coaches still say to me, uh, Logan, how on earth are you on the national team? <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, that's, that's while I'm, that's while I'm playing. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that comment like 45 minutes before a game. Yeah. And, and, and again, then you want to talk about having a short term memory. Yeah. I'm that, so I'm supposed to digest that comment that was, was meant to be harmless, yeah. but, uh, I now have to go out and perform. And so, but, but, you know, I think part of it is, um, is really being disciplined to show up every day and work. Mm-hmm. And even when you succeed to not bring your gloves down, yep. you know, and to keep your arms up and one foot in front of the other and work yeah. because you never know when someone's there to take your job. You never know when an injury happens, you never know who's watching. Yeah. So it was a process, Kel, it was a process. Yeah. I mean, well, for you, it, it didn't, it didn't stop there. It kept going, um, you know, getting, getting called in with the full national team and getting to represent your country at the highest level of the game. Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of the the penultimate moment for anybody is being recognized as one of the top players in in your country. Um, so talk a little bit about that and and what it felt like to get that call into to camp and and be able to pull that jersey on. Yeah, I mean it. it uh, it's it's every kid's dream, right? To 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 represent your national team, your full national team. Um, And so, you know, at that stage in 2009, when I, when I um, played in the gold cup and, you know, at that stage um, again, I just really tried to, to focus on what I can control. And that was what I did in Chicago. Yeah. And, and 
anything outside of that, I can't control. And of course there were times of frustration and you look at the rosters of, you know, uh, off season national team camps and you wonder why you're not in there. And, and so, um, you know, of course there's feelings of frustration, but I just knew that if I was disciplined and focused on what I can control, then that would give me the best chance to get called up. I just have to be ready. Um, but I also learned, Kelly, that, that, that this is life. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, there's many capable players that can be there. And um, some of that's taking advantage of the opportunity that you get and doing well with it. Some of that's trying to put yourself in situations that get you those opportunities. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing, you know, uh, uh, outside of the fact that my two – competitive games against Mexico. I think I lost on aggregate 10 zero with the Olympic team. So you want to talk about failure uh, with the Olympic team, losing to Mexico and, and qualifying yeah. and then also the gold cup final. But uh, you know, those are, those are things that are still great lessons to, to that I'm digesting today of yeah. how do you look at success? What does success look like to me now? Um, but yeah, that was great to, to have the honor and privilege to represent the national team. Well, let's jump. You, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but post soccer, right? You, you retired. I don't remember what year it was, but fairly recently, uh, within the last yeah. what, five years, six years. Uh, yeah. 2014 yeah. was my last year. So, um, and, and you went into coaching for a while and then now transitioned out of soccer. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now. And then how you think some of these lessons that you learned in soccer um, help you be successful at what you do now? Yeah. You know, I, so um, I, you know, it's been, it's been a process, you know, I, I, when I retired, I spent a year in the front office Mm -hmm. in management. And then I went back on and coached uh, back on the field and coached and spent a couple of years coaching. And so now I work for Northwestern medicine. And so I'm in healthcare and I was actually originally brought, Kelly, to look at physician leadership development from the lens of a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So all the things that we're talking about now yep. are a lot of the things that I work with physicians every day. Yeah. It's team-based environment. It's controlling what you can control. It's how do you show up every day? It's what do you do in your free time? Mm-hmm. How are you carving out free time to like be a, a whole person? Yep, yep. Um, and so that was my original work coming uh, into healthcare and into Northwestern medicine. I now oversee our physician well-being program. Mm-hmm. So it now is more holistic. You know, we have various initiatives that we have and support our physicians here um, at Northwestern. And so, uh, all of the lessons that I've learned, <laughs> I'm applying. Yeah, so I was going to say, no, it's like you're the captain of the team now. There's no, you know, again, I have to remind myself, and it's still a lesson in humility for me because I'm coming in, into an environment that I know nothing. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about healthcare. Yep. I've learned over the last two years, but ultimately I know nothing. And so I've really tried to just bring the lessons and stay in the lane that I do know. And that's, people yeah that's teams yeah. that's high performance mm-hmm. that's 
holistic approach to how we look at things. And so it exact, it's just a different industry, but it's the exact same concepts. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. And I love just kind of following that path and that story and just seeing the success um, continue to manifest itself for you in the non-soccer world. Um, just because I think that that's so important for people to realize that part of why we play these team sports and the lessons that we learn from them, uh, they're going to make you successful in life, not just in, in sports. So, um, look, I, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been great to chat. Um, always think we could chat for hours and hours and hours, but I know you've got things to do. Um, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Kel, thanks for, uh, for having me. Thanks for being a part of my story. We have great memories of encouraging one another oh, yeah. uh, during great times and during hard times. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of um, that is a pivotal piece into development is the people that we surround ourselves with, the encouragement that you get and you give to your teammates is all part of the continued kind of growth equation that's necessary. Well, dude, yeah, thanks so much. And uh, I think people are going to really benefit from listening to this. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, All the best. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.